0: Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred at Roselands, Episode 8. Mildred had been alone for several hours, very profitable ones to her. When opening the door in answer to a gentle rap, she found Mr. Dinsmore standing there. "'If you will invite me in,' he said with a smile, "'I may, perhaps, accept.' "'Do come in, Uncle,' she replied, returning the smile. "'It is very pleasant here, and I can give you a warm welcome. See, my fire is blazing cheerily, and does not that easy-chair look inviting?' "'Yes,' he answered, taking her hand and gazing searchingly into her face seeing something there that puzzled him greatly, for though the traces of tears were very evident, it wore a look of peace that had been foreign to it of late. But what is the matter? Not bad news from home, I hope. Oh, no, oh, no, she said. They were all well, and nothing amiss, when Mother wrote, but her eyes filled and her lips quivered as she spoke. Homesick, I'm afraid, he said kindly, patting and stroking the hand he held. The natural effect of news from there, I suppose, especially in this wretched weather. But don't give up to it, my dear. We'll find ways to make the time pass pleasantly, spite of the storm, home sports, amusing books. You are very kind always, dear uncle, she said with a grateful look. But it is not that. I have been living too much for mere amusement of late. And with burning cheeks and tear-dimmed eyes, she went on to explain in a few rapid sentences how condemned she felt on account of the waste of time and opportunities for improvement and the worldly conformity of which she had been guilty, and how she had determined, by God's help, to do so no more. He listened in much surprise, but did not interrupt her. When she had finished, there was a moment's silence, she sitting with downcast eyes, her breast still heaving with emotion, he gazing musingly into the fire. Presently he turned to her again with a kindly smile. "'Thank you, my dear, for your confidence,' he said pleasantly. "'But really I do not see that you have done anything to be distressed about. It strikes me you were fairly entitled to a few weeks of playtime, after the fatigues of that long nursing and the journey here. Perhaps so, she said, but I haven't taken just the right sort. So much excitement and such late hours have wearied instead of resting me physically, and on my spiritual nature the effect has been still worse. I blame no one but myself, she added humbly, and with a depreciating look into his grave, somewhat troubled face. I'm afraid I have been your tempter, he said, though I meant well. But I ought to have remembered the strict ideas entertained by your parents, and in which they have brought you up. Well, what can I do to retrieve my error, and to help you in living as you think you should?" "'It mostly depends upon myself, I think,' she answered thoughtfully. "'But if you will not oppose me in declining invitations to what I deem to be wrong, or questionable amusements, and will excuse me from attendance in the drawing-room on Sundays, when there is company, it will help me very much.' My dear girl, he returned, you are of course perfectly free to do exactly as you please in both respects. We appreciate your society, but if you think best to withdraw it from us, we can only submit. I will arrange with Mrs. Dinsmore that young people shall be invited on weekdays, and only older people, whom you will not feel called upon to entertain on Sundays." She thanked him warmly. "'And you will give up the opera and theatre, he said inquiringly. I thought you enjoyed them very much." I did she answered blushing then why resign so innocent a pleasure it is not innocent for me uncle she said lifting her glistening eyes to his it utterly destroys my devotion I come from them with my mind full of the play and thoughts about dress and the happy people I have seen, and with no heart for prayer or the study of God's word, and the short-lived pleasure I derive from them is nothing to be compared with the sweet peace and joy they rob me of. But if you persist in such a course of conduct, you will be sneered at as self-righteous, puritanical, and what not, politely to your face, more disagreeably behind your back." I am willing to be singular for Christ, she answered, her eyes kindling. Oh, how little that would be to bear for him compared with what he endured for me! How much less I resign than multitudes of others have given up for him! Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of e- in Egypt and you propose to begin doing something in the way of study and the cultivation of your accomplishments?' he said inquiringly, not unwilling to change the subject of conversation. "'Yes, uncle, I should like to accept your generous offer to let me share the instructions of Adelaide's masters in music and painting, French and German, and Miss Worth's in the higher mathematics. All that will keep you pretty busy, even without the reading you are sure to do,' he commented with a smile usefully employed she answered brightly and that i have learned from experience is the way to be happy the first sneer mildred had to bear came from mrs dinsmore who heard with great vexation her husband's report of the young girl's resolve ridiculous she exclaimed if there's anything I do detest and despise it is your rigid puritanical sectary who stands ready to cry out sinful wicked at every sort of enjoyment I am too much provoked she is really a pretty and ladylike girl and has attracted a good deal of attention so that I was actually grown quite proud of her and took pleasure in showing her off "'But that is all over now, of course, "'and there will be no end to the annoyance "'I shall have to endure in hearing her "'criticized for her odd behavior "'and impairing questions and remarks "'as to how she came by such strange notions. "'Well, my dear, it can't be helped,' "'Mr. Dinsmore responded, between a smile and a sigh. "'But if I were you, I should very decidedly "'snub anyone who should offer a disparaging remark "'about her to me. Be myself, I certainly intend to do so.' Can't be helped, I believe you could reason her out of it if you would. I am flattered by your belief, but do not share it, he said, with a bow of acknowledgment, nor if I did would I attempt to change her views. Twould be too great a responsibility and a breach of the trust her parents have reposed in me. The conversation was here brought to a conclusion by the summons to the dinner table. Mildred made her appearance with the rest, and was greeted by Mrs. Dinsmore with a cold inquiry after her health, followed by a covert taunt in regard to her resolve to forsake the worldly amusements in which she had of late indulged. Mildred bore it with patience and humility, not answering again, though the flushing of her cheek showed that she felt the unkindness keenly enough. "'Do you intend to make a complete permit of yourself and go nowhere at all?' queried the irritate lady." "'Oh, no, Aunt,' returned Mildred pleasantly, "'I hope still to take walks, rides, and drives. "'Do not object to calls and social visits, "'or to concerts or lectures, "'unless attending necessitates the keeping of later hours "'than any good for my health. "'Humph! Twould have been wiser to my thinking "'if you had begun as you meant to continue.' "'Yes, Aunt, it would,' Mildred said, "'again, collaring deeply, and I wish I had. "'But it's better to do right at last than not at all.' Do you not think so? Don't ask me sharply. Adelaide, Louise, and Laura, you may consider yourselves fortunate in having a cousin who is more capable of deciding questions of duty than your parents. I trust you will not fail to profit by her excellent example. Not that which she has set, you will observe, but that which she is going to set you in the future. The children giggled with it while Mildred colored more deeply than before. A frown had gathered on Mr. Dinsmore's brow. "'Children, if you cannot behave properly, you must leave the table,' he said sternly, then with a displeased look at his wife. "'I, for one, highly approve of Mildred's resolve to do what she considers her duty, and it is my desire that she be allowed to follow the dictates of her conscience in peace.' Mr. Dinsmore was an indulgent husband, and seldom found fault with anything his wife chose to do or say, but experience had taught her that when he did interfere she might as well submit at once.' the subject was dropped and never revived again in his presence. With her accustomed promptness and energy, Mildred sought out Miss Worth that very afternoon, made arrangements for recitations, and began her studies. She determined to devote four hours a day to them and her accomplishments. As she was accustomed to early rising, and the breakfast there at Roselands was late, it would not be difficult, she thought, to secure two hours before that meal, the other two she would take during Mrs. Dinsmore's afternoon siesta, and the elaborate toilet which usually followed, and thus be as much as ever at that lady's command as a companion either at home or abroad. Mrs. Dinsmore had few resources within herself, was a martyr to ennui, and could not bear to be alone, and Mildred esteemed it both a duty and a pleasure to do all in her power to add to the comfort and enjoyment of her kind entertainers. She had succeeded thus far in doing so in some measure to all, from her uncle down to baby Anna. The children have found out weeks ago that cousin Millie possessed an apparently inexhaustible fund of nursery retails and songs, and could teach them many amusing games. They would have been glad to monopolize her, and entered many a complaint of the shortness and infrequency of her visits to the nursery. Thinking of that now, she resolved to try to give them more of her time and attention. Perhaps she could mingle some instruction with the amusements she furnished them, and she would be very glad to do so, for her heart was filled with pity for the young things, as she thought of the great difference between their mother and hers, the one absorbed in her own selfish pleasures, and paying no attention to the cultivation of the minds and hearts of her children. The other, giving herself with earnest whole-souled devotion to seeking the best interests of her darlings, teaching and training them for, for happiness and usefulness here and hereafter. "'Precious mother, what a blessing to have been born your child!' Mildred mentally exclaimed as she thus dwelt upon the contrast between the two, recalling with tear-dimmed eyes the loving care that had surrounded her from her very birth, and in which each brother and sister had an equal share." While Mildred thus laid her plans, Mrs. Dinsmore was somewhat similarly employed, reclining upon a softly cushioned couch in her boudoir, idly listening to the pattering of the rain against the window. She mused in discontented mood of Mildred and her unexpected resolve. It interfered with her schemes, for she had purpose filling the house with happy young company during the approaching Christmas holidays and making the two weeks one continued round a festivity. To be sure she could do so still, but Mildred's refusal to take part in much of the sport would throw a damper upon the enjoyment of the others, besides giving occasion for unpleasant criticisms. Mrs. Dinsmore's vexations increased as she turned the matter over in her mind. But a bright thought struck her, and starting up with something like energy, she exclaimed half aloud, "'Why, that's the very thing, and I'll do it at once!' Hagar, addressing her maid, bring me my writing desk. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresop Story Classics.